Hi, this is best-selling author Brad Meltzer, the best-selling author, and you're listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Affirmative. That was definitely an e-ticket. I can't believe all the new gadgets they've got now. For a while, we didn't even have a house phone, not to mention laser discs, high-def TV. You are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... We look at diversity and too much of the conversation, in my humble opinion, is focused on black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when I look at, you know, people who have disabilities, it is completely infuriating to me. Where they haven't even built the buildings that they're holding the casting in to allow them to be able to get into the building. They cast an able-bodied actor and then give the able-bodied actor an award for pretending <laughs> to be disabled, which right. I'm pretty sure is like blackface. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB Podcast. And if this is your first time listening, welcome, welcome, welcome. If it's not, why don't you go write us an iTunes review right off the start? <laughs> We're not even going to give you any content. Just go write it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that We would love that if, you, if you're a longtime listener or you listen to a few episodes and you're currently binging our playlist we would love to hear from you what you think of our podcast all right we are here with another interview this week how are you doing this week jamie oh i am just pleased as punch to be here how are you justin <laughs> i'm doing fantastic now we're pushing this out a little later than normal but i mean people in the future aren't going to know this because people in the future will never know and i often wonder is like is was anybody sitting around on tuesday waiting for the episode and they're like, oh, <laughs> what happened well you um, know what there might be there might, there might be, be. I know I go and refresh. I have a couple of podcasts I listen to, and I always go on the day I know it's coming out, and I yeah, and I hit it. And if it's not there, I go, oh. But well, like, for those send people a tweet who, or anything, <laughs> for those people who were sitting around waiting for our 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 episode and it never showed, I, I deeply and humbly apologize. <laughs> yes, and there is backstory which we will not get into, but believe me, there's backstory this week. There's yes. backstory, Justin and I. I mean, it's life backstory. It's not <laughs> yes. interesting. It's just we've both been incredibly busy, um, <laughs> and it just kind of slipped through the cracks. So I, I do apologize. But here we are. We're here, and it, t- ten years from now, when people are like. You know, going back to see like why we won the Nobel Prize for podcasting, and yes. they're not even going to know this one was late. Exactly, and, <laughs> and you know we've put out almost two hundred episodes consistently, so I'm yeah. not too I'm not too worried. No, you know? we we've we've proven ourselves <laughs> to ourselves, and really that's all that matters. We exactly. just need to we need to know that we are awesome in our own hearts, and we <laughs> we firmly believe that, and we know that. So. Yes, exactly. So this week we have an awesome guest. Orlando Jones. Yeah. And it, he, what a fantastic interview. It was so much fun. And something I loved about it, and Jamie and I were talking about this earlier, but he, he it's not that other guests haven't been super down to earth, but a lot of the times there's this air between us and them because they're the person that's creating stuff. And we're kind of, you know what I mean? It's like almost like a fictional wall between us a little bit. Yeah. But with Orlando Jones, it felt like he was just one of our buddies that we were calling up <laughs> to talk to. And it was yeah, really, he was, he was, was really super neat. chatty. Yeah. <laughs> Not just chatty, because we've had a lot of chatty people, but yes. it was like um, re- relatable conversational. Exactly. You know what I mean? It was just he felt like he, we, he felt like you were just talking to a friend. Right. Well, it, it felt like we were almost like we're industry people with him. Do you know what I mean? Like we're we're just on his level, and he, he's on our level. Or he's yeah. I don't. Are we building ourselves I mean. up, or are we tearing him down? Because that's I, I, no, don't, I don't know. I think we're gonna meet in the no. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna meet a little in the bit middle. of both. Yeah. <laughs> but he's working on a crazy number of awesome projects right now, and um, the interview itself, we, we kind of talked about a lot of different things, but maybe Jamie, you can recap it a little bit if you, if you remember, cause it was, it was like a week ago at this point. <laughs> yeah. So the reason we talked to him, um, and again, if you're listening at some random point in the future, this is not going to make sense, but Valentine's day recently passed here. Um, and he, um, was live streaming a show basically, um, it's so hard to know what to call these things now because what's a show anymore, right? Right. 
So he did a show on Sci-Fi, and it was streaming on their Facebook page, and I think it was also streaming from their just their homepage. It was called Geek Love Chapel, and basically what he was doing was marrying geeks that had a shared passion. Uh, he did this last year at San Diego Comic Con, and um, we talk about this and like. Basically, he was given free reign with sci-fi to do whatever he wanted. And he was just kind of joking, half joking and said, I want to marry people. And they just kind of they went they ran with it. They said, OK, let's do that. Um, and so he, they did it again for Valentine's Day. And they were they had a number of different couples. Um, I think maybe around 10 different couples or, you know, between five and 10. I don't know the exact number. Um and they, you know, they went through their story. It was really cute. They did the story, well, how they met, what they, their shared passions, their geekdom. And then he would marry them. He's, what we, what you asked him whether he was ordained and, and he took offense. He's like, oh, how dare you, sir? That's really funny. <laughs> of course it's legit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he legally married everybody. And it was, it was, it's just a really cool thing. And like we said, you know, and especially with the state of everything right now, it's, it's nice to celebrate love and and you know it might be seen as corny by some people but it's nice to celebrate good things when we can and so orlando jones if you don't recognize the name if you don't recognize the voice you're going to recognize the face um he's been in a whole bunch of different movies he was recently in american gods if you know him from anywhere you you might know him from the seven up commercials um, just go YouTube Orlando Jones commercials or seven up and they'll come up and you'll be like, Oh, of course <laughs> it was this whole ad campaign. He did a ton of different commercials. They were hilarious. Um, but, uh, he's that guy. Uh, and we talk about a lot. We talk about, you know, his dad, who was a professional baseball player. We mm-hmm. talk about, um, Lando and star Wars, which was his first geek fan. Uh, like, his, um, love affair. And, uh, we talk about uh, he's super involved with fans. Like right. he's super, super engaged with, with his fans and the fans of whatever property that he's currently working on. Um, and I think that's why he came across as so relatable and conversational to us is because he, that's what he does. Like, you know, he, he's not, you know, up here when the fans are down, right. down there. It's like, he, he tries to come to their level and meet them where they are and, and just be totally relatable. And I, I, I really do admire yes. that. And one of my favorite stories is his uncle's reaction to him going to Hollywood. Oh yeah. <laughs> he did the voices and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good story. That's a good story. <laughs> All right guys. So we're going to go play that interview for you right now. Hope you enjoy. Orlando, thank you so much for taking the time. It's just, this is a thrill to have you here. I'm just so excited to talk to you today. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, listen, first of all, I'm excited to be talked to because I've just <laughs> been sitting in a hotel room all day. So thank you for rescuing me from myself. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, unless I'm mistaken, uh, your father was a professional baseball player. He played for the Phillies. This is correct, sir. This is correct. Did you feel pressure when you were younger to excel in sports? Like, did he have an expectation that you were going to follow in his footsteps to a certain degree? No, he, he really didn't. I mean, I, I was an All-American basketball player. So mm-hmm. um, for most of my family, it was, you know, professional sports is literally the family business. Every male in my family played professional sports, generally football or baseball. So for my family, it was, more that oh great now we're going to have a basketball player so if there was any quote pressure it really wasn't coming from my dad mm-hmm. it was coming from my uncles okay um who, who called an emergency meeting when i said that i was actually going to la to be a, a writer and an actor <laughs> and i showed up over at my uncle lamar's <laughs> house i'll never forget it. it was the funniest thing ever as soon as i walk in the door my uncle lamar goes uh your daddy said you're going out to california uh Say you won't be an actor. That's what he said. Oh, um, if there's something we're gonna read in the paper about your ass later on, is there something that you need to tell us right now about yourself? Uh, and I was like, what? What? Of course, me being the idiot, I was like, what? No, I don't. I don't have any news to report. Uh, my uncle Larry says, because he has like this completely high pitched voice. He's like a. Uh, what we want to know is, are you a diabetic? Do you have sugar in your tank? Um, and I was like, oh, wow, that's the discussion we're having. I was like, no, you know, I really I really feel like um, that's none of your business. <laughs> and it was, 
it was completely hilarious to watch them try and figure out what the next move should be in that discussion, uh, <laughs> which pretty much wound up with me pointing out to them that, you know, we, we do have, you know, uh, one of our other uncles is gay, and he had literally knocked out every one of them with a single punch. Like, <laughs> he is completely abused. And they are scared to death of him. So I was like, look, if you, if you want me to call Unc Unc over here, we can just discuss it all together. And they, oh, no, 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 no. That ain't no reason to have that kind of conversation right now. We don't need um, to do that. We just wanted to know, you know, in advance if that was going to be a situation. Um, and, See, they were uh, prophetic. They as much pressure as I got. They were prophetic. They knew that there was going to be no stone unturned. Once you become a public figure, you know, like everybody's going to dig up any bones that's, that exist. Yes, yes. Or they were just being ridiculous homophobes at the time. And, uh, you know, it could go either way. Either way. Either way. I'm going homophobes. Okay, we'll go with that. I, you know, they're not my family, so I can't say that. Um, it's, it's funny. So you say, you know, that your uncle's cornered you. Um, but being a professional baseball player, as your dad was, is, I would say in my limited experience, probably on par with being a successful Hollywood actor in terms of how hard it is to actually achieve that level of, of success. So when you did mm -hmm. decide, I'm going to go out to L.A., I'm going to be an actor, like, did, was there support there? You know, he knew that, like, this was a big risk and it's really going to be hard to succeed, but, hey, I made it in the big... I, I, I'm, a, I'm a baseball player, so anything could happen. Um, I think ultimately for him, the, the truth is, he he had to hitchhike to get to the game, you know, to get to practice, to get to games because he didn't get the support. So yeah. he was very, they were very supportive of me, but I, I didn't really give them a lot of opportunity to be supportive because I I pretty much came home one day and announced that I was moving to California, <laughs> and uh, and they were like, I'm sorry, what? And I was like, I've got a job. I'm writing on this show called A Different World. I just came to let you know, and I literally hopped on a plane two days later and left to Cali and never came back. Wow. So wow. they, you know, but, you know, having said that, there was, you know, my mother obviously was always a little nervous, you know, dropping out of college and all that kind of madness the way I did. There was certainly some, you know, consternation there. But for the most part, my dad had, and was always like, you know, look, man, do the thing you love, you know what I mean? And if you truly, truly love it and you're willing to work that hard at it, then, you know, let your let your failures be your successes because you cannot be successful unless you're willing to fail. So yeah. go. That's amazing. That's it's it's so refreshing to hear that. Um you you mentioned though, you know, how you started out writing, you know, different world and, and, and then you moved on to some other shows. You had a somewhat I don't want to say unusual career route, but it was you started out as a writer and a producer and it was then you backwards. Moved, yeah, and then you moved over to acting. Um was there ever a time though, like when you were on these successful shows and you were having a lot of success writing and producing, that you think, eh, I'm quote unquote, I'm just gonna be a writer. Maybe acting isn't in the cards for me. It that never once crossed my mind. Really, I, I no, I think because for me on the writing side, you know, when I got the job in a different world, it was like, you know, imagine you you're you're Hollywood. You know, I'm 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 from. You know, the South, you know, mm -hmm. I was leaving South Carolina, born in Alabama. Okay. I didn't know anybody who had met anybody who had heard of anybody who was famous. You mm -hmm. know, so I didn't, you know, not in the Hollywood sense. Right. So I land Hollywood in the biggest night in television history. So, you know, Cosby and Cheers, I'm sorry, Cosby, a different world, Cheers, Wings, LA law. Yeah. I think 40 million people did not change the channel for like three hours. Yeah. Unheard of in today's world. So I was so busy trying to not get fired and also understand <laughs> what my job was. Um, but one thing I knew that I had the skill set to do was as an actor. So that was always really, kind of a, in some ways a fallback position. Um, and I really, you know, in sitting in the writer's room and the producer's room, you get a completely different perspective than what actors usually get because, you know, you hear all the dirt, you hear all the trash, you know, you... <laughs> You, you see the machine at work. So I guess it, it, uh, it was an incredible education, uh, but it was, it was definitely, I, I don't think I ever thought otherwise because I, I, I was a nerd, you know, I was like, yeah. 
I wanted to write and perform because everybody who I loved was a writer performer. You know what I mean? So those were the people who I looked up to that did both. So for me, it was very much trying to follow in the footsteps of, you know, Peter Sellers and, you know, and, and people like that who had been prolific writers and performers throughout their career. Yeah. Right. So, so talk to us about geek love chapel. What was that all about? Say that again. I apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. So talk to us about the Geek Love Chapel. What was that all about? So, you know, I, I got the, a lucky break out of the craziness of my life. I had an opportunity to hang out and meet with Sci-Fi, and they were rebranding, and they were talking about, you know, their hashtag, you know, it's a fan thing, and and uh, they really wanted to sort of, you know, focus on, you know, fans. And, mm. and, and right. as a... Uh, member of fandom and a nerd, they were like, would love to do something with you at Comic-Con, what would you like to do? And I was like, I want to marry people. Uh, <laughs> and th- there was a little bit of a silence in the room, but I, I tipped my hat to Alexander and Jody and that team, and they were like, really? We love that idea. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, really? I was like, I'm like, you have the logistics, but I still want to do this. And they were like, if you could just, why? Why do you want to do that? And I'm like, look, I, I went, I found myself at Comic-Con because I was a Mad Magazine fan. I loved Mad Magazine when I was a kid. I started reading when I was eight. I didn't really understand what the hell was going on probably until I was like 12. Yeah. Um, but I loved Spy versus Spy. I loved Sergio oh, Aragones, yeah. the writer. And suddenly I got a chance to be on Mad TV. And Sergio invited me to go to Comic-Con um, back when nobody went to Comic-Con on the studio side. Mm-hmm. And I got to hang out in Artist Alley and meet all these other incredible artists, you know, Kevin Grimes and all these people. And I was like, wow. And I was really sort of in that, that world. And it's always been love for me. It's like, you love these characters. You love this plot. You love this movie. You love this game. And then you meet somebody else and they love it too. And then you guys become friends and you fall in love. So to me, it's always been a celebration of love. So if you're really going to do a quote fan thing, it's not about telling people to watch your movie or your show or pushing some brand message. It's actually doing something that reaffirms that love. And that's where the Geek Love Chapel came from. And um, like for me, it's like huge hats off to sci-fi because nobody else would do this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'd wanted to do it for a couple of years and everybody had been like, what? We're not doing a marriage or come get out of here. <laughs> um, and they were like, hell yeah. And they went all out. You know, we had just married pedicabs. We had cakes being made. We had, rings from different fandoms and you know makeup and they built a chapel and a live band and a dj i mean it was just it was amazing man and and uh, i i love it it's 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 one of those things that i i feel it's like it's pure nerd geek shit and for somebody who's been a nerd and a geek for as long as i have yeah <laughs> um it just makes me feel good to do it and to be a part of you know this incredible moment in somebody's life so Right. That's what the Geek Love Chapel is, and dude, I'm I'm hoping I get to do it, you know, a lot every year because it's it's by far one of the most fun things I've ever done. <laughs> so, so are you? Is this legit and legal? Are, are you ordained? How dare you? Sir? <laughs> I call myself Father Fan Girl. Um, <laughs> I'm ordained. I am ordained in the Universal Life Church. Um, nice. I. I Went through the online process and got myself ordained and made sure I was legal in the state of California and, of course, the state of New York. Uh, and I signed the marriage license. That's amazing. Um, so it's kind of insane. Like, literally, there's a look on people's faces when I'm signing Orlando Jones' Father <laughs> Fangirl to their actual marriage license. <laughs> you actually signed Father Fangirl, too? Oh, every time. Nice. <laughs> It's, it's so it. good, man. It's it's amazing. It's it's and also like I cried yesterday. Like some of the vows were like so beautiful. Like I I I broke down. I'm not even gonna front. I was like, that's beautiful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, but you know, tear it up right now. And uh, it's uh, it's 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 really it's really great. That's amazing. You know, so you talked about you started at at San Diego Comic Con and you just did it for Valentine's Day. Um, a friend of mine on Twitter made a really good point. You know, so Valentine's Day has sort of gotten a bad rap. You know, a lot of people who are single hate it. A lot of 
A lot of people who are in relationships hate it because it puts stress on you. That you know, it's a Hallmark holiday. She had a really good point though, and she said that you know, especially now, especially with everything terrible that's going on, we need to take every opportunity to celebrate love where we can find it. Exactly. I mean, look, I look for joy in my life, right? I could sit, we could all sit, pick out the thing that we care about and rant about it and scream about it and post about it. But to be fair, we all know none of that's going to change anything. So for me, if you're going to complain, get some action items. I need action items (laughs) to make the change we want to see. I'm done talking. I'm tired of talking. But I am happy to talk about things that celebrate, you know, what humanity has always been. It's about our relationships. It's not about being online. It's about our offline relationships. It's the people that we hang out with, the people that we love, the people that we connect with. Like, that's what this world is really, really about. And that's where, you know, that's where you get the, feel, the feeling of, of, of belonging. Like, that's important shit as far as I'm concerned. So for me, I'm like, if I can turn Comic-Con into that, you know, that bring that element to it, and bring that element to Valentine's Day and to other places. Like, I'd rather put my energy there because there was nobody. Like, I, I didn't do any vow renewals or marriages yesterday where people did not leave going, this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I had an absolute blast. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Like, I, you know, how often does that happen? Like, yeah. it, it's just, <laughs> that's rare now. It's super rare. It's weird, but it's rare. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that connection, though, I mean, you, you pretty famously – connect directly with fans i mean beyond marrying them which is sort of the ultimate connection but like online social media at conventions like you you engage and a lot of the time that's positive a lot of the time that's negative and and trollish um but how integral do you see that connection that direct connection with your fans with the people who watch what you do how integral is that with the actual craft of acting like, is it a two-way street of influence? So the way I see it is that, you know, in, in my earlier days, you know, in theater and, you know, doing Othello and things like that, um, you know, the audience is directly in front of you. And so, you know, they're a part of the performance. You know, they're not, they're not just sitting there. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. um, there's something going on in that room. Um, and that's gone, you know, in the movie television world, right? The, the only person that's really there on the day is the crew, and then it gets edited into whatever it's edited into, and um, and then you, you know, go out and do press and promote or what, what have you, but that connection is gone. And that really, to me, came back in a really big way when I was able to start live tweeting mm-hmm. um, stuff uh, and, and focusing that way. And you're right, it comes with its back and forth and it's up and down, but I, I, for me, I'm not, in, I'm not in fandom as a celebrity. That, that's not what it is. As far as I'm concerned, no matter who you are, no matter how important you think you are, you started this process as a fan. You were, however old you were, you were sitting there, you saw something that made you want to do visual effects or write or act or you know, wardrobe or makeup. You were a fan. That's how this whole thing started. So I am in fandom as a fan. Yeah. So just like any other fan, they're going to be flame wars, there's going to be there's <laughs> going to be issues, there's going to be problems, but I accept those things because that's what real fans deal with, right? They 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 have to contend with the disagreements and all that madness and they 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 have to be vulnerable. Uh, and for me, I think that's an important part of being in fandom and also creating uh, real connections with people. On the acting side, it's different because it's not me. Like, I'm, I'm not playing me. I'm literally playing somebody else. Yeah. Um, and that person has an entirely different set of values that really don't play into that. So for me, and, and I tend, you know, throughout the course of my career, I've sort of made it a point not to play the same type of characters. I, I really try and diversify my characters pretty broadly and also diversify the genres that I work in be broadly because I want people to see those characters so that they can embrace that character in some ways without me. Um, um, I try and actually remove me from it in many ways. So I kind of see it as really separate and I'm excited now that I get to spend the time that I get to spend interacting with them as Orlando Jones and not interacting with them as the character. Right. Right. Um, And as Orlando Jones, Orlando Jones is a 14 year old fangirl, or he's (laughs) Orlando. He's one of the two. Exactly. Uh Um, 
But that's who Orlando Jones is. But that's, you know, that's not who Anansi is. That's, you know, you know, that's not who Frank Irving was. That's not who Clifford Franklin is. That's, you know, that's not who any of those other characters are. They don't see the world that way. They probably don't even know anything about, you know, yeah. fandom and nor do they care, you know. So I really kind of separate those things that way. And, um, you know, uh, I think some people get that and some people don't. But um, yeah. uh, that's, hey, I, for me, it, it's, it's kind of the way I like to play the game, I guess. So you talk about your place in fandom. You wrote an introduction to a book about fandom. It sort of took an academic view of fandom and from all different angles. You talked about how seeing Star Wars as a kid was that catalyst for your becoming a geek and, and how seeing Billy Dee Williams in Empire was, was transcendent for you. Um, and forgive me, I'm actually going to quote you back to you, but you said, quote, I never forgot the feeling of self-worth that I experienced as a young person when I saw faces of color in movies and television as inventors, leaders, and heroes, rather than the more common tropes that minority actors were regularly subjected to. So you're seeing Lando show up in The Empire Strikes Back. That was 38 years ago. Are we doing any better now with that representation, do you think? What a double-edged sword. Um, I don't think we're doing much better now. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about Black Panther, like you read about, Yeah. Um, for a lot of different reasons. One, I'm a huge Chadwick Boseman fan. Um, I've known him since he was a young man because he's from Greenville, South Carolina, and I am as well. And okay. literally, our families are in the same club. Oh wow! <laughs> of eight families, <laughs> so I'm you know, you know, tell you like talk about coming from the back, you know, my backyard. Yeah. Like, like what? <laughs> um, so, and you know, Angela Bassett and just the cat. I mean, look, super excited about that. Um, but I do think that we look at diversity and too much of the conversation, in my humble opinion, is focused on black and white. Uh Um, When, when I look at, you know, people who have disabilities, it is completely infuriating to me because not only do they not even often have an opportunity where they haven't even built the buildings that they're holding the casting in to allow them to be able to get into the building. Right. So then they cast an able-bodied actor and then give the able-bodied actor an award for pretending to be disabled, which <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure is like blackface. Yeah, um, almost. So, right? So I look at that and I go, when you really look at, you know, LGBTQ+, when you really look at disabled, when you really look at women, when you really focus on women of color, when you look at Native Americans and Asians and Indi- you know, Indians, uh, you know, the, the representation element is still a hot mess. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I believe that we have to focus it beyond black, white. And that to me still seems to be a huge part of the focus. Um, and that's, that's really kind of sad because until everyone can be included until we're all a part of this thing, then it's, you know, it's a lot like politics in the sense who, whomever has the strongest lobby gets, uh, uh, the most attention. And that's, that's unfortunate, and particularly when we live in the world today where black people are not even the number one minority anymore. We're the number two minority. Latinos are the number one minority, and when you look at representation as it relates to Latinos, comparatively to African-Americans, it's right. abysmal. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, that's a really good point. You know, I mean, so, you know, yeah, so for me, it's like, I feel like, for me as a black dude, i got to start advocating on behalf of disabled people and Latinos. Like, that's who needs advocacy. Yes, we have problems with, you know, women of color most certainly, but you know, we have more representation than a lot of those other groups combined. Yeah. Um, right. you know, so that's critically important that there is a, you know, the Asian version or the Indian version or just that these movies in and of themselves become actually multicultural and diverse in and of themselves. That would be awesome. And I understand that Hollywood isn't necessarily look there are plenty of people who don't care right but there's also another fundamental problem which is the gills are overwhelmingly male and overwhelmingly white Mm -hmm. and the business requires you to hire from these gills so the trick is how do you get voices into those gills and so that they can be hired for quote mainstream content and the truth of the matter is if they don't figure it out soon they will be overtaken by the internet (laughs) yeah because you don't need, you know, you don't need their distribution machine the same way you used to. And so, you know, I say all that to say that as much as I, 
that was critically important to me, and I think it's still critically important, but um, it's not just about me. Yeah. I mean, it's what sounds like, though, I mean, in that same essay that I quoted from before, you go on to say that you wanted to use the success of your career to do for others what Billy D. Williams did for you back in 1980. Is that still a driving mission for you? And it sounds like the answer is yes. No, without question. Yeah. It's, it's a huge part of how I spend my time off camera mm-hmm. uh, and a huge part of what my companies do. Um, I sort of live a double life. On one side, I you know, have my, um, my acting life. And then on the other side, I have a, you know, a robust life on the digital side and on the agency side and then really on the tech platform side right now, I vehemently believe that AI and tech are the places where we really need diversity because that's the future. Mm-hmm. And frankly, the bias is built in the builder. So, um, I, I really, my focus right now is on how those things can happen in tech and, and, pulling people into that, uplifting people into that, um, into that uh, sort of place. Uh, and, and I think that's where it probably should be um, because, you know, that's the great divide that we're looking at right now. Yeah. So right. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so how excited are you to see Donald Glover become Lando? Oh, you kidding me? Just to geek out <laughs> now for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude. Hey, dude, first of all, I'm a crazy Childish Gambino fan. Let's just begin there, right? So, all right, listen, anybody who hasn't put their name in the Wu-Tang name generator, do that tomorrow just for fun. Um, <laughs> I love Donald Glover. I mean, uh, been a fan of Donald Glover's, like, before people were paying attention to Donald Glover. Um, again, uh, I saw this kind of nerdy black kid, and I was like, hey! Yeah. <laughs> I, I recognize that. Uh, so, uh, uh, and and I love that he's Lando. I, I actually don't think anybody else could play Lando the way he would play him. I I love Atlanta. I just, uh, for me, it's just completely epic. Um, yeah. So I'm super, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm, yeah. I'm crazy excited. I will be there uh, with bells on, and I will go more than once. Yeah, the the pictures that they've released of him is like, you know, you can, you can make arguments about some of the other things that, that they've released about the film, but the, the stills that they've released of him are like, yeah, that, that, that's just perfect. That's exactly as it should be. And I, I have no doubt that he is going to be the highlight of that movie. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Right? I agree. <laughs> so that, that's exactly how I felt about it. I was like, okay, maybe I'm biased. No, you know, no, no. <laughs> Listen, I was mad at the last one. I'm going to be honest with you. At The Last Jedi? I don't understand how come I wasn't following the Rey story. Like, you set me up to follow Rey, and then I wasn't following Rey. So I'm, I was left. I was like, what is going on here? So I, I'm hoping that, you know, this, this new iterations of it will will become slightly less male focused and all and you will give me the jedi you promised me yeah yeah we we, we could geek out about star wars here forever but we're not going to do that <laughs> okay dude. Hey, hold on anytime you want to i'm amped don't even worry about it <laughs> <laughs> um it, 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 to go in a geeky direction in a different geeky direction though i understand and now again correct me if i'm wrong because somebody told me this um uh, that you managed to trace your heritage back to the ashanti no. No? Okay. I wish. Then somebody lied to me because somebody was telling me that like, oh, you talked to Orlando Jones. You got to ask him about that because that's amazing that he managed to, he, to track his heritage all the way back to like, <laughs> you know, Western Africa generations ago. So, all right, bummer. Not so, true. <laughs> no. I, 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 here's what I will tell you. I have been, I traced my heritage back to the singer Ashanti when we did the Wiz on Broadway, I did that. Uh, <laughs> well, that's slightly a different thing. <laughs> okay, maybe to you, maybe to you. Um, but uh, I, uh, it's funny, you just, I was literally, I met my, my dad, actually, my dad is a huge, uh, you know, Mr. Nancy fan. Yeah. Um, and I, when I was a kid, you know, uh, they used to read the books to me. So the character, yes, I know the character. I love the character. I've always wanted to be the character. Um, um, I think I, I think I might have sl- strong arm slash begged uh, Michael Green and Brian Fuller. I was like, you've got to let me do this. Shit. You don't understand. <laughs> um, 
Um, and fortunately they did, but two of the most awesome guys ever. Um, but I'm actually in the process of tracing it. Okay. And if that is true, then you and I will double back. Oh, absolutely. I don't have that conclusively yet. Yes. I do not have it conclusively yet, but I am literally trying to figure it out because if that turns out to be true, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> uh, but uh, I do not have that confirmed yet. Yeah. And I'm scared of 23 and me. <laughs> have you done that? <laughs> but, but everybody, like, my wife has done it. Like, a bunch of my friends have done it. I'm just like, where's my DNA going and who are these people and what do they do with it afterwards? Right? It's a little bit scary. Right? You just take, like, a swab so of the inside of your mouth, send it away, and then somebody's cloning you somewhere, and you have no idea what they're doing. Right? Well, I'm like, I'm just not, I'm like, I'm sorry, call me a crazy conspiracy right. theorist, whatever, uh-uh. I'm well, you're like, not I'm swabbing inside of my mouth. I need to get on the plane with the swab. And I think, on, I think your fears are founded. Um, I heard a part, it was a true crime true crime podcast I was listening to last week and there was a guy who they used the DNA red database to find a murderer and he got accused of it because his DNA was incorrectly entered in or something and it made it seem like he was the person and he wasn't. <laughs> what? Because he did something like that? Like a DNA? Like family yeah, history? He, did, he was in the Ancestry.com <gasps> something like that and they, they didn't charge him or anything, but he was a suspect for a while in the murder, even though he had nothing to do with it. Oh, dude, don't, don't do it, man. You know what I'm saying? Don't do it. I'm not doing it. Now you're not going to sleep in it. Not doing it. Um, this is exactly the bullshit I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like, just do it do the old-fashioned way. Look through paper records, you know, talk to people, figure it out that way. <laughs> Uh, so okay, yeah, it worked out fine for years. Exactly, you know that's what I'm saying. You don't need to have somebody with messing with your DNA. <laughs> you know what? Th- thank, thank you for understanding, dude. <laughs> the amount of crap I catch about being paranoid about you're a tech guy. You should be totally fine with you. I'm like, that's exactly right. Yeah, I am a tech guy, which is why this makes me nervous. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um. I wanted to ask, you, you said it a couple of times, 14-year-old fangirl, that's how you identify. Um, I know you've talked about this at length elsewhere, so I'm not going to make you reclaim the, re- repeat the whole thing, but um, you've said that you claim that you're a fangirl because fanboy is too limiting, it's too exclusionary. Uh, so I've, I, I, this has that's been... True. Yeah, and it is true, and it's something that I've asked other people who have also embraced fangirl now granted they were females um but one term fanboy has sort of become derogatory you know it's 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 a put down it's a it's a it's an insult people use to hurl at at you know a certain segment of, of fandom but fangirl exactly. fangirl is celebratory it's celebrating you know the common bond that people have do you think exactly. do you think that it should be a goal for everyone to just be fans, not fanboys, fangirls, or should we be celebrating those differences that are, that are among us? If we lived in a society where women were treated the same as men and that human rights weren't in the state that they're in right now, I think that that goal would be that goal would make sense. Mm-hmm. Right. But because that's not the world we live in, and that's not the experience that people generally have. I think it's important, uh, at least to me, for us to focus our attention on lifting up the people that we've spent a lot of time stepping on rather than telling them they should get over themselves and just be fine. So for me, that's really the difference uh, in, in, in one way. And so I, I kind of think the fangirl thing needs to have its moment. And after we've finished with that, then sure, we can – you know, maybe drop this gender madness altogether and, you know, and, and, and start calling it just fans. But mm-hmm. as it stands right now, there is a very different way that girls, fan girls behave versus fan boys. And fan girls tend to be more rabid. They tend, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, they have all the squeeze, it's all oh, the yeah. feels. And it's very much about the celebration about that. It's very much about you know, loving Harry Potter fully and, mm-hmm. you know, getting all crazy about it. Not not unlike the way people do with, you know, in sports fandom, which guys do in sports fandom a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you paint half your body yellow and half your body <laughs> green and when it's 20 below zero, you had a Green Bay game with no fucking shirt on. Like, that's commitment. <laughs> that's, that's fangirl shit like that. It that's is. That's fangirl shit. Yeah. 
So, and that to me is why I love it because that's part of the fun for me personally. I want to be in fandom like that. I want to be in fandom like unbridled and yell and scream and I want to be emotional about it um, because to me that's part of the fun part of the experience and I just felt like the other part doesn't, doesn't open its door to me in that same way. Um, but, you know, I also don't think that guys are... I don't think every dude is trying to be exclusionary. Like, I'm a guy. Like, I don't see it that way. But, you know, I'm mindful of the circumstances, and I, I try and be, you know, embracing of everyone. And, in, and you know, and, and in that sense, I sort of chose the 14-year-old fangirl mm-hmm. um, as my thing because that's kind of who I felt like I most identified with. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to admit, I've... I've... I've said, you know, I'm fangirling over this, or I'm total fangirl right now for something that I go crazy about and where I'm really excited about. And I've used the term in reference to myself, but every time I do it, it feel like I feel kind of wrong doing it. Like I'm stepping in a, in, a, in a place where I shouldn't, you know? Like I recognize the divide is deliberate, and I recognize that, you know, fangirls, women, females, those who identify as female, they need their place, they need their time um to 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 celebrate that and to and to not have men come in and say oh, this is mine too like i don't want to come in and like the bull in the china shop and, and just wreck everything because i feel like i'm owed that um but i still do use the term because i recognize that there is such a difference between saying oh i'm i'm totally in love with this thing and i'm fangirling over this like there's a very specific connotation there it, it is and and if you're look and if you're truly in fandom and you're shipping and you're writing fan fiction and you know, you're, you know, reading it uh, on, you know, AO3 and you know, you're, you're behaving in fandom the way fans actually behave. Therefore you are operating a lot like a fangirl. You know what I mean? Like when I'm talking to Jalovany fans, like I hear people say all the time, like, Oh, you know, those Jalovany fans, you know, they're crazy. You know, you know, I'm like, well, no, I don't know if they're crazy. They're, They're passionate. Um, and you know, now, but they think the thing, like, how do you know what they think? What do you, what do you, you, you know, yeah. what's in everybody's mind? Go sit your ass down. You don't know what anybody thinks. <laughs> you know, so for, for me, you know, I trust me, I think when I first started saying this, which I got, I think it was maybe around 2014 or something, mm-hmm. um, when I was more, you know, honest about it, I guess, uh, there was definitely a, some original pushback, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think as time has gone on and, and I think because I've been and I remain so involved in fandom, it's it's changed a lot. Um, and I think that's also because a lot of my social media has 14 year old fangirls in it and we talk all the time. Yeah. So <laughs> it's um, easier for you to identify so, with them. <laughs> well, yes. And, you know, and, you know, and I'm doing one of us just like they are. And when something is a little left, you know, I'm in it you know, we're in it together. So yeah. I, I really feel blessed that that's been the outcome. It, it definitely could have gone another way. I'm, I'm, I'm very mindful of that. Um, and also to be fair, um, I'm older than them. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm completely outside of the demo. So it's kind of hard for them to call me disingenuous because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's literally nobody else like me in fam. <laughs> doing the shit that I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think that has, has garnered me, uh, some, uh, some love, but my hope is that other people will join me in this madness and that, uh, I won't be alone. And, you know, in the next several years, I'll look up and there'll be tons of people who have really jumped in fandom as fans and not celebrities and will stay engaged in this world and appreciate how completely amazing it is. Yeah. I, I know we're running out of time. I just have another question I want to ask you, though, because we're talking about fandom and engaging and, and fangirling out and going crazy over something. How do we balance those passions? And that's what they are, they're passions. How do we balance those passions for for pop culture with the current state of the country? Because it, it feels now more than ever kind of sometimes it feels a little ridiculous to geek out about something like a television show or a new comic book or something that could be construed as somewhat superficial, you know, with with what's really happening and our our responsibility to be moral responsible citizens, like how do we balance that that citizenship with 
fandom? Are the two not mutually exclusive? Can we do both? Because it's sometimes, you know, it's with the like with yesterday, you know, as we record this yesterday, there was a horrific event in the news, you know, but if you watch, if you look at Twitter, it's half the people, you know, reacting to this terrible news. And then as another half of the people trying to find solace or, or comfort in a television show or a casting rumor or something that in, in the long run doesn't make a lot of sense and doesn't, doesn't really make a difference. Right. So Jim Valvano used to have this quote. Jim Valvano was the basketball coach at North Carolina, um, North Carolina State University, um, passed away to cancer. Um, he has the Jim Valvano Foundation, which obviously fights cancer. And he has this quote, um, and I'm not, I'm going to butcher the quote a little bit, but the, the gist of it is that if you, if you laugh and you cry and you scream uh, and you yell all in one day, you had a pretty good day hmm. um, because you're, you, you've, you've truly embraced all the things that go along with what it means to be alive. Um, and I really feel like a lot of fandom is young people. And... Um, you know, I, I think it's important for young people to be able to, to to do that, to be able to have that. And I think the question is around adults in terms of, of how they're going to spend their time. And t- to be fair, it's a, we're in a tricky time. And, and, and the questions that, you know, you're, you're asking and are, are, are way, way above my pay grade. So mm. I, I can only answer from my own point of view. And that's all I'm and asking. Yeah. From my, yeah, of course. So, from my point of view, I, I see that part of my life as a refuge, as a as a as a place that I go to, um, that is that is joyful and and fun, and I I truly enjoy it, and I love trolling with because it allows to give me a perspective on something that it allows me some uh, some latitude. But when it comes to dealing with these issues. You know, you pointed out something that happened in the news yesterday. I, you know, I, I really feel like, what are the action items? A tweet isn't going to matter. Right. You know, a Facebook post, what is that going to do? That's not going to do anything. So uh, I will answer your question this way. Yeah. I'm working with a company right now, uh, and we'll talk more of this, about this at a, at a later table. We're building a thing called a Platform. And Platform is, uh, it's literally a platform, app. You know, and its job is to give causes something to stand on. Um, it is its job is to provide curriculum to connect you directly in your community with people who believe times up and want to fight for women's rights. Because with the tech that we have available to us today, there should be no reason that you shouldn't have something that happened tomorrow happen. And you can't go to Siri, Google, Alexa, and literally say, I want to fight for this and get connected with people in your immediate community who are fighting for it, get connected with curriculum, with books, with content, with um, representatives in the government who share your passion and who want to change uh, those circumstances. We need to use tech to create the action items of the future that we want to, we want to be, we want to come to fruition. And for me, that's where my focus is when I'm not acting is building that type of tech so that when that happens, we can actually create the change that we want to see. Um, and for me, that tech fully exists. It's just about putting those elements together. And by the time I get to the end of 2018, the middle of 2019, platform will be fully operational and we won't have to have these discussions the same way anymore because we'll have tools at our disposal to actually do something. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. That, kudos to you for, for, for you know, taking that bull by the reins and, and making a change because that sounds like something that would make a difference and is something that a lot of people are probably looking for right now and, and might not exist in a form that is helpful to them. Exactly. It's like, it's not like, it's like, that's not what Facebook was built for. Like right. People talk about the bias of, you know, I joke, it's fuckbook, right? At the yeah. End of the day. Uh, because <laughs> when it was built, that's what it was focused on. Um, so, you know, to me, building tech that's actually focused on the things that we're talking about and creating that change that we want to see, that's really key. And I've been blessed to have a lot of partners jump on board to help me do this because it's not something that I'm doing alone. Mm-hmm. 
so I tip my hat to places like the Raven Group and the ACLU and the Anti-Recidivism Coalition and all these groups who are like, yes, we want to help build out. We want to make that come to fruition because the job of this particular piece of tech is to literally reach out to everyone who's already involved in the fight and empower them because I really think that's what needs to happen. So I, I reach out to you guys the same way and say, you know, join this madness. Let's help spread the news and the word that this is about to and is going to happen because I feel like that's, that will give me even more time uh, to be, you know, uh, having my squeeze and my feels, but it also means that I can take that passion and put it into a place to create change. And that's really kind of where the idea came from. If I could take this passion and then put it in a place to create change at the moment that I really want that change when I've been inspired, yeah. that would be amazing. Um, let's do that. So oh. that, that, that's the best way I can answer it. No, then that's, that's perfect. And when, yeah. when that is a thing that you can talk about and it's something that you know people can look at and download and use, you got to come back. We're going to talk about platform. We're going to talk about Star Wars a little bit more. And when you, when you finally trace yourself back to Ashanti, uh, we're going to talk about that too. Score. <laughs> Orlando. And I have a feeling that we'll probably catch up again as American Gods Season 2 gets crazy. Oh, absolutely, yes. And I'm, I, hopefully we'll cross paths in San Diego this summer, um, and that would be amazing. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, because we, we yeah, didn't even talk about American Gods. And, and I, I, you know, as long as I still got you, I had a, que- a friend who has a, que- a question. Um, has Crispin finished the book yet? Ah, you know what? I don't think he's going to read it. At all? <laughs> nope. So he told me, of course, this was then. I haven't seen him in a couple months. He does not want to taint the way he's created the character by reading the way Neil had thought of it. He doesn't want Neil's version in his head. Okay. He just wants his own version in the show's version. Yes, he wants his own version in the world. And I get point in that you know obviously doing the show it's not the book they're very different things right you know what i mean and you know so in his mind as much as neil's version is is super valid he really is about you know creating the character in his own way you know different actors work different ways that's literally his path so my understanding was he was not he was purposefully not going to read it until the show was done and then he was going to read it and i have a feeling that you know, he does these incredible live shows um, that he puts on. So I have a feeling that when he reads it, it'll become one of his live, you know, interactive media shows. Oh, wow. uh, that's just the way his mind, I, dude, he's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, that's just the way his mind works. Um, whereas I'm completely different. Like I want to, I want to understand everything Neil's thinking and then everything that, you know, Michael and Brian are thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now Jesse, our new showrunner, is thinking, and, and I try and, you know, sort of coalesce all those things into a version of the character that makes sense um, for me, because I want people who read the book to, to, to see the elements of Mr. Nancy, but also people who are just watching the show to see the other elements. And, you know, yeah. for me, I'm a trickster god, so, yeah. you know, playing Perfect. those, uh, I, I, I approach it differently, but uh, as, a, as an actor, I think, but... Um, but yeah, man, uh, I don't think he's going to read it. So, right. But when I when I see him, I'm going to ask him because I'm actually curious myself. <laughs> okay. So we've got plenty of stuff to talk about for you to, when you come back. So we're going to have to make a date and you're going to definitely come back. Done. All right. Cool. Orlando, Perfect. thank you so much for your time. No, guys, thank you. This was awesome. I, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Okay, so I, I meant to ask you in the after we did the interview, Jamie, um, did you go to the person that told you the information about him tracing his heritage and be like, what are you talking about, bro? You made me look like a fool. <laughs> I know. So here's a, and so it was funny is that I, I wrote her yeah. and uh, and I said, did you mean Ashanti the culture or Ashanti the singer? <laughs> And she was like, what? I meant the culture. What are you talking about? And so a little bit of backstory here is that, so he was on American Gods. Okay. Uh, this is actually, you know, full disclosure, this is Shiri, who's been on our show right, a number right. of times as a co-host. Um, 
Oh, last year sometime, there was a media event in New York for American Gods. I couldn't make it. I was I I got the invite. I couldn't make it. Shiri is a huge fan of the of the book, right. of the show, of everything about it, and so she jumped at the chance to go. Um, so she was there, and they did uh, like we've talked about with San Diego and New York. They did roundtables. And almost the entire cast was there. Neil Gaiman was there who wrote the original Mm -hmm. book. The showrunners of the show were there. Uh, It was just an amazing event. She had the time of her life. Um, But what she remembered was that when she sat down and Orlando came to her table, he had said that. He had said that he had traced his his heritage back to the Ashanti. And that uh, realization and that research informed his costumes and the way that he dressed and presented himself on the show, American Gods. Um, and so she was, you know, kind of confused, like, well, well, that's what he said to us. I wasn't making it up. Um, and now maybe something, maybe he didn't completely understand my question, but I, I thought that he did because we ended up, we talked about it a little bit because he clearly said, no, I haven't done that. That would be amazing if I found that out, but I haven't discovered that. Hmm. So I'm not sure where the disconnect yeah, I don't was. know. Something sounds scripted. I'm just- <laughs> scripted yeah but thank you for the opportunity to uh to to to, to set that straight so i don't just look like a <laughs> so dope in, in the interview like, well i read it on one of those you know uh, one uh, of the wikipedia one of those sites where you click show me next and it has like a hundred ads on it like one <laughs> oh yeah yeah like 20 things you didn't yeah, know about exactly. actors and it's like 800 pages yeah. long because there's four ads between exactly. every click next. And they, they even have I a button that's an ad that says next. <laughs> yeah, I oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, what a fantastic interview. That was a, such a fun time. And he let a, he said that we could hit him up in the future when, you know, when his app gets released. So. Hey man. Yeah, we'll we'll have him back on. Hopefully, you know, we can have him. Um, you, know, you could probably hear he was just on the phone. I would like to have him in, on Skype or in person. You know, he if I cross paths with him in San Diego, maybe I can sit him down for a few minutes with the mic and we can just. Yes. Chat, so. Well, you, you know, we'll eventually, see. as our show gets bigger, we are going to have an in-person studio. So I'm just saying. <laughs> yes, we will. Um, I don't know where that's going to be <laughs> yeah. since you're in Canada and I'm here. Well, 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 clearly, um, we can clearly have two. we'll both have to move to L.A., right? Let's, let's just... Yeah. Oh, of course. Of, no. Yeah. My no. wife is behind me and she just no. went gross. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not moving to L.A. There's not many cities I don't... I just flat out don't like. Right. Lo- Los LA Angeles is one. is one of them. Yeah. Yep. I've yep. never been. Well, I was... I slept on... The sidewalk outside the airport, but that's another story for another day. Wait, wait, wait. Outside the airport? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Okay, so my okay. I guess we're getting into it today. Um, <laughs> I guess I can't leave with that tidbit. Um, their airport closed. Like I had a flight. I landed at two a.m. and my next flight was at six a.m. And at four a.m. the airport closes for two hours. Who knew? I had no idea. And they, they and they kick you out. They kicked me out onto the sidewalk. This is LAX. LAX. And so I had to wait outside until they started board, board, like letting people into the. Now, what area is the point board. of closing for two hours? I have no idea. I couldn't believe it. I, I honestly could not believe it. When was this? Uh, two, a couple of years ago when I went to Dad 2.0 in San Francisco. That's awful. <laughs> no, I couldn't believe it. I've never heard of that. I mean, I've heard of, okay, so like the last flights at 12, yeah. so we're going to close at 1 and reopen at 6. Okay, 5 hours, yeah. sure, I get it. Or 24-hour airport, sure, I get it. I've slept inside of an airport before. Yes. Um, but to close for two hours? It just like, what, vacuum? Just well, vacuum around sleeping people. Exactly. And at the very least, I was hoping they'd let me go into my terminal that my next flight was in, because it was a different terminal from the one I was in. Yeah. But no, they weren't. They wouldn't let people in there until they started boarding in the morning. So. LAX is awful, I know. man. What an I, awful I mean, airport. like, it doesn't matter what time of day you're there. I mean, maybe at four o'clock in the morning when it's yeah. closed, it's okay. But like the traffic getting around that circle into through, through the terminals, yeah. it's a nightmare. It's unreal. <laughs> I hate that place, man. Yeah, me too. I, I don't. I don't know that I ever want. Apparently, go what I was told is that. LAX is is notoriously bad. It's a terrible airport. Okay. Um, but like celebrities and the Hollywood, you know, hoity-toity, right. they fly out of a different airport. Oh, um, okay. It's and I don't know my geography. Maybe the John there Wayne well enough. airport. Is yeah, that- it's John Wayne, which is I don't know even know where it is, but right. it's wherever that is. That I believe is where the rift. That's where the the um 
the the people with money okay. fly through. Okay. Well, this has been airports with Justin and Jamie. <laughs> That's our new podcast starting next week. Airport talk. We're going to review airports from around the world. <laughs> all, right. all right, guys. Thank you so much for coming back every single week. If you don't come back, why not? I'm, I'm asking you. I don't, I don't know. You can have stimulating airport conversation with us. Um, if you want to reach out, we are on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB podcast. What is the worst airport you've ever been in? Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> That's or, our- or what's your sleeping at an airport story? Because yes. I have one, too. That's but a- I'm not I'm going to save mine for the next okay. episode of Airport Talk. <laughs> and that's our takeaway from interviewing Orlando Jones. What is the worst <laughs> airport? <laughs> Love it. All right, guys. I'm Justin at 140 Justin C. I'm Jamie at the Roarbot. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>